Spice up your mug rack. <laughs> I'm putting that on a T-shirt. <laughs> Along with socks on, bras off. Bang on. Hang on. Hello, Miff. Hello, Zan. When are we going to get a remix of that song? Every time I hear it, the big booty bass in the Mm -hmm. headphones, crying out for a remix. It really is. I hadn't even thought about that. (laughs) They call that a dance floor filler, I reckon. We should do that. (laughs) Um, Speaking of, I've got my, it's, I've been up early doing Eurovision publicity today. Mm. So I've got my very 80s uh, shoulder pads on, which would be perfect. With leopard print as well. You're with looking leopard print. Sh- amazing. With any kind of dance floor. I, I think this, I'm ready. Oh, look, I was ready to go to a club, but well, <laughs> if, I was done, made up by 6.30. So <laughs> If only the bank fam could see the mum dancing that I just witnessed. Shoulders. Yeah, the sh- just dancing Shoulders from the, the waist up. Yeah. <laughs> That is the it's the ultimate middle aged lady dance and I love it. I love it. it. Yeah, you can't fight it. I've forgotten how to dance. I'm fine I with that. Know. I just dance from the waist up now. I, I need a rest. Right. I can't keep standing and dancing. I have to have to have a little rest. You're right. I I've forgotten. I don't actually know what to do. And everyone dances so well now because of TikTok. I just feel like an absolute loser on a dance floor. Yeah, I think we've passed our time. That time we yeah, <laughs> so give up now. So, but never give up either. <laughs> never give, never up. give oh, up. But also never give up. Hashtag yeah. never give up. Yeah. <laughs> The reason that we are coming to you a bit earlier this week is because you are about to go full throttle into mm. Eurovision territory. And people this don't is... know it basically just it's like a 24-hour gig because yeah. our broadcasts start at 5 in the morning and then there's filming all day and, yeah, it's it's kind of nuts. But I'm not overseas this year. I'm in a different city, but it's going to be pretty much the same thing. It'll be heaps of fun. I can't wait. When can Super people excited. see you on the telly? Can you remind us when people can watch you Well, in Eurovision? the mornings, if you're a mad fan, you can check in with the live broadcasts uh, Wednesday, Friday and Sunday morning from 5am. <laughs> there you go. Ooh. <laughs> Which means I have to be at work at 4. Nah. Uh, other people do it all the time, but I'm I'm not really a morning person, but I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> and then if you want to just get into the spirit all over the weekend, it's just Friday, Saturday and Sunday night as usual. They'll put the the replay on. So, you know, there's plenty plenty of opportunities if you want to get involved and play some play some Eurovision fun with us. Steering Eurovision from Australia really is like an extreme sport, isn't it? And I feel mm. like that very early wake-up call is going to provide for some um, some loose commentary between you and Joel. I can't wait for that. Very loose. And if you remember correctly, <laughs> he, when there was a stage invasion, he did call that stage invader a cockhead. So <laughs> I can't think of what it's going to – I can't think how it's going to be. When we are very, very, well, let's just say asleep behind the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing but a little bit of uh, makeup, um, a bit of slap, as they call it in the game. A bit of panel beating. <laughs> a little bit of panel beating. <laughs> uh, so you can watch that on SBS. Very excited. Good luck this week. Thank you. And It'll thank be you. Fun. As always, and like you never stop doing Bang On through Eurovision. So thank you for that. Even when it's you're a tradition. crawling into the corner of an airport lounge or waking up. Uh, half asleep in Kiev. You just oh, you're always right. there. That's right. It's a tradition. Fortunately, I'm not hiding from people who are looking at me speaking loudly on the phone and judging <laughs> me in an airport lounge. So that's nice. Don't know why they judge you with the kind of hot Connie that we talk about on Bang oh, On. Exactly. Your, your place for music, art, life, and stuff. And um, I don't know how many people are aware, but there's a new TV series which is going to be coming to Hulu. Don't know where it'll land in Australia but it's all about Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee 
Yeah. Lily James as Pammy. Now, if you don't know who Lily James is, this is my point of reference because you know how much I'm a Disney fan. Mm. She starred as Cinderella in the Disney live action remake of Cinderella. That's right. Lily James. And then Sebastian Stan. Anything else that I might know? <laughs> no, that's my only point of reference. <laughs> um, and then Sebastian Stan as Tommy Lee. He's been in a bunch of Marvel films. I think he played Carter on Gossip Girl as well. Oh. I don't know him as much. Um, and then... This is the key because the story is about the electrician who does work on Tommy Lee's house, steals a sex tape that yep. Pamela and Tommy made on their honeymoon, mm. um, and then that becomes obviously leaked to the public. So Seth Rogen plays that electrician, Rand Gauthier. Ooh, um, well said. I was hoping you would take that name. Because Gauthier, I was like, Gauthier. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know how to say that. Um, but, yeah, this is interesting, isn't it? talking about that time in Pamela Anderson's life and and I just thought oh that'll be an interesting series I'll I'll probably watch that I love I, I, at the time I loved the excess of those two and how the media was fixated on them and they were you know for in a, in a dirty rock and roll way they were quite glamorous and they lived the LA LA Hollywood lifestyle but I hadn't actually really thought about what this means for Pamela Anderson until I read Courtney Love's tweet Mm. about the television series and I I think she's nailed it here too. And I think it's it's made me reassess a lot of things that I thought maybe in the aughties were okay or I didn't really think deeply about them. Courtney Love has said that this upcoming um, Pam and Tommy television show is fucking outrageous and uh, she says that it's actually restarting or reigniting Pammy's trauma. And if you think about it, and because it was at the time so it was like they were public property or something, Mm. we weren't encouraged to think that this was a real human being behind this tape in the same way Paris Hilton, in the same way Kim Kardashian are. And it's almost as if their trauma of this being released was just completely glossed over at the time. It was such a time for sex tapes too, wasn't it? It was a real moment, like a lot of leaking of sex tapes. And I think that we just saw it as another element of entertainment from these celebrities. But can you imagine what would have been, you know, this is a private thing between, you know, two people on their honeymoon. It would have been so humiliating. You you do things when you don't know that they're going out to the public. It's different Mm. to performing as a public person, as an actor, as a model, as a whatever. It's there's different choices made around that, and that 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 agency and that sense of um, Mm. of choice, you know, of 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 privacy was taken away from from Pamela Anderson in this instance, and we all just kind of went along with it and used it as like entertainment. Yeah, it was normalized and. Simply because she was a Baywatch babe and she got out in her bikini, so it and that's the misogyny of our of our society and that we're learning about as as time progresses. That it was almost as if, well, she shows off her body already. This should be fine. We game. should all be fine with yeah. this. And I don't know. It, of course she's not fine with it. Of course it would be absolutely mortifying to have something like this out in the public. When you think about the way people dish out criticism of women on their looks, on what they say, on what they do. Can you imagine if your entire body was up for grabs in this department? I just, I couldn't think of anything worse. I don't I don't know if I would survive that, to be honest. I genuinely don't. I don't think she's going to watch it. She said that she won't watch it. Do you, mm. do you remember that um, that TV series, and you're fine if you don't because it completely flopped, but the TV series of The Dirt, which was based on the Motley Crue biography. Yeah, Yeah. I think it was on 
Netflix maybe I a, didn't a couple of see years it. ago. Yeah, it just it's oh, was it a movie? Flopped. I did see it. Maybe movie. it was a movie. I yeah, I saw it and I can't remember it. That's how memorable it was. <laughs> I just remember it not doing well at all, and it just and when it came out because it came out quite a few years after The Dirt was published, which if you've never read The Dirt is um, a celebration of some very shit times specifically for women in rock and roll history and a celebration of that terribly bad behaviour of certain rock and roll bands that still continues to this day. The looseness that we were talking about uh, last week, which makes the workplace of, of music um, such a seem to seemingly such a different field in terms of respect um, and and criminal activity, and when they released this this film or series or whatever it was, because I can't remember, it mm. just felt so tone deaf to me to be celebrating that right now when the com- mm. this conversation has shifted. Thankfully, since the dirt was released, mm. but I'm kind of wondering whether that this new series, which will be, you know, get the same reaction. And it's interesting to see that the director behind it is Craig Gillespie. He's an Australian director, and he also directed I Tonya which was mm. a very interesting and quite sympathetic view of Tonya Harding. So I'm very curious about where it yeah. goes. Maybe um, it I'm, will I'd, be I'd, yeah. more on our side in terms of the Pammy angle of this story this Who time knows? around. Who knows? Yeah. Um, speaking of the dirt, though, there was one great scene in the dirt and it wasn't, <laughs> I don't think it was in the movie, but it was definitely one of the chapters in the book. And it talked about David Lee Roth, who was then the singer of Van Halen, who loved cocaine so much that when he was in the share house that they were living in, he was sitting on the floor and he was doing his lines of cocaine and a huge mirror hanging on the wall fell off the wall onto the back of his head and he continued to do <laughs> lines of cocaine. <laughs> As if nothing had ever happened. Just I, redefining the concept of numb. Oh, my God. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Those were the days, really. Those were the days. <laughs> now, Mif, there's been a lot of talk this week about the Middle East crisis. We're not a political podcast. Mm-hmm. We are certainly no experts in the Middle East crisis, which has no. been raging for decades now. But speaking of raging, there's been some interesting responses um, from public figures and particularly celebrities, which we are experts on. And yeah. Rage Against the Machine have confused their fans. A notoriously political band. Yes, they confused their fans again. <laughs> a notoriously uh, strong in views band who have always expressed their thoughts on political things in mm. their songs. Including... They're literally called Rage Against the Machine. Yeah. And, Look into um, that. Yeah. Well, some of their fans have got upset because they've written a, a tweet this week in support of of Palestine and uh, against what's going on there and, and alerting people to the humanitarian crisis that is, in fact, taking place there. And their fans, right-wing fans, are going too woke, Rage Against the Machine. Mm. I've turned. I'm never listening to your music again. And mm. it's like... Did you ever, ever listen to it in the first, in the first place? It's <laughs> <laughs> like you're missing something here. I know. Like, who are these people? Someone suggested, I think, on Twitter that these people are like the same ones who love Midnight Oil but don't realise that it's about our our First Nations peoples, a lot of their songs, you know? Like oh, there's, I, I and just, there's a huge amount of them too. I, I My partner went to the um, Big Red Bash out in Birdsville when Midnight mm-hmm. Oil um, headlined it. It must have been 2019. Amazing. Yeah, and it was incredible because it's they perform in front of this giant big sand dune as the sun sets and Midnight Oil were the headliners. 
And it was um, a lot of kind of grey nomads going out there, um, nothing against grey nomads, a um, lot of uh, older people who were going along to see the oils, absolutely loving it. But Peter Garrett, as he always does, was quite political and mm. um, between the songs talking about land rights, as he has for decades. Yeah, this is not As they have literally new. in their songs. And people were booing them. And it's just like, what, what did you miss? Like, Why are you there? what do you think the power and the passion's about? You know, exactly. it's, yeah, it's wild. But Rage Against the Machine um, got the same reaction last year when they spoke out in support of the Black Lives Matter That's protesters. Right. And there's a really interesting article that I've got to say shout outs to Joe Lauder, who's a hack journo. Um, she told me about this on Slate. It's mm. titled How Black Lives Matter Changed the American Conversation About Israel and Palestine. I'll put it in the show notes because it's a really interesting read yeah. um, to dig into, but it kind of ties the solidarity of Black Lives Matter protesters with the plight of displaced Palestinians and that support going both ways um, mm. through the last few decades. It's not just recently, but for a long time. And it's not suggested, but it mirrors here in Australia um, a, a lot of the issues here with colonialism, doesn't it? Yeah. And, and imbalance of, of power in the political spectrum. Yeah, absolutely. And on, and on that, um, for the kind of general public with no ties to any of the movements, it kind of makes the claim that many of the activists who have gained prominence over the past year have stated unequivocally that silence about Palestine is akin to silence over racial injustice in the United States. And it feels like increasingly there's an expectation to not just disagree or silently protest, but to actively speak out, to actively call out, to turn up and not just be not racist, but be anti-racist. This Mm. is something that comes out. And that's kind of feeding into this newfound response um, among so many who've never spoken out before and feeding into what I'm seeing increasingly in the response to what's happening right now Um, In Israel and in Jerusalem, you know, celebrities and friends and schoolmates are speaking out, people that I never would have expected Mm. to see. And there seems to be, it seems to be following, you know, and particularly following, as as Slate suggests, this rising of the last year of protest on a number of levels, not just Black Lives Matter, that you have to be very public in your allyship. You have to protest and you have to support. Um, it, It does feel louder this time, you know, knowing that the Israeli Palestinian conflict has been going on for decades now. Mm. It feels louder this time. I don't know. Do you think that celebs should speak up about this sort of stuff? Uh, look, I think they should be honest about what they believe, absolutely. Um, and I think if you have a position where you can, and, and artists like Taylor Swift have recognised that in the last couple of years and she's she's found more confidence in that. And and I think, I think that adds to... The idea that an artist is a, is a whole person with with thoughts and views, and we hark back to the the Pammy Anderson thing. They're not just cut out figures. They mm. they are allowed to have opinions, and they are allowed to to voice them, whether you like it or not. And I think we are becoming more accepting of that because normally, I think for years, uh, entertainers, artists were told keep the politics out of it but in actual fact it music is politics music has always been politics creativity is politics art but reflects the culture absolutely. reflects society reflects the stories of the absolutely. time absolutely and um i think it's it's really important that we get we we get a, a a a fuller opinion and i think if anything the internet has democratized that especially when it comes to situations like this crisis. I mean, there there can be media buildings bombed, but stories will still get out and, and that's the change. And I think that's led us 
edging closer to the, to this point where more and more people become aware and more and more people do speak out. And that's the key, isn't it? It's the, the internet and not necessarily the broadsheets, the mastheads, the traditional news outlets. Mm. It's us following people on Instagram, on Twitter and celebrities. Um, rapper No Name, who's amazing, if you've never heard her stuff, she's a Chicago rapper, um, came up in the same scene as Chance the Rapper. She's incredible and she's very vocal about her politics in all of her songs. But she's been speaking about this specifically on Twitter in the last day or so um, and she said this. She said, we look to celebrities for entertainment, for escape, trends, aspiration, etc. Some celebs have the attention of hundreds of millions of people. They influence society. People will watch a celeb Instagram before the news. Them speaking up matters. Miff, thank you for sending me this article this week, um, written by the wonderful Jacqueline Maley for Nine Newspapers, titled In Defence of Keanu, Humanity's Gentle Emissary Who Never Claimed to Be a Great Actor. This is so good. And I know you're a Keanu stan. In fact, I would say a close family friend. Well, that's right. Well, we have physically connected and I say only in the... Oh, there was just the right amount of pause there. Yeah, yeah. Um, only in the accidental touching and that was me and I. it was only legs and it was, as if you've heard Bang On, you've heard this story accidentally. Uh, I rubbed his leg under a coffee table during an interview thinking it was the chair leg. He's so nice he didn't say anything and that's the Keanu I know and love and it seems the world has come around to that that that, that Keanu that, that we all know and love. Um, but there, there was a, an article and I think the internet was shook a couple of weeks ago when uh, another journo had written something supposedly celebrating the 30 years of Point Break, the movie that features Keanu Reeves as a surfing legend mm. um, with little parts of it film, not filmed in Bells Beach, but they <laughs> say they're in Bells Beach in Victoria. Bells Beach, um, Australia. Yeah. Uh, well, a journo writer, novelist Malcolm Knox wrote this article and, oh, my goodness, I think... I think we all got our hairs up on the He back wasn't of reading the room well at all, was he? No, he just he said things like Keanu Reeves was a thumpingly terrible actor and sometimes the whole movie feels like a prank at his expense. I mean, we don't need this critique of one of the you know, it's like showgirls. Point break <laughs> needs to exist for the very reason that it is what it is. You don't need to critique it. It's, it's French fries. Yeah, it's just, just enjoy a it. beautiful, beautiful journey into Oh, how can I put it? What is it a journey into? I'm I'm curious about what Point Break is a journey into for you. It's a journey into just <laughs> terrible things. Like it's, it is a terrible movie, but that's not the point. Like it's it's fantastically terrible. Let's celebrate. Let's that. Let's just remember that um, Patrick Swayze plays a character called Bodie. There's probably mm. a drum circle somewhere in the mix. There doesn't isn't Laurie <laughs> Petty in it? It from Tank Girl. She plays Bodie's partner. Oh, yeah. Peter Phelps does a little cameo as, as a cop, um, trying to stop them from. <laughs> he's not coming back. He's not from coming going back. in the water um, at yeah. Not Bell's Beach, Australia. I mean, there's yeah, so many Bells. memorable moments. Oh, so many so memorable, memorable moments. Yeah. <laughs> 
And and for that reason, you know, you don't diss Point Break. We all know, but there's no no point in writing an article. So um, our wonderful journalist Jacqueline Maley has has written back saying, look, he never claimed Keanu Reeves is. He never claimed to be uh, the best in anything. In fact, he's done the opposite. He doesn't talk about his movies. He doesn't live the Hollywood lifestyle. He, um, you know, he's he's not on social media, so we don't know his thoughts and feelings. Mm. And um, he's also made incredible banks, so he probably doesn't care <laughs> that he's he might not be the greatest at his game. And those of his, uh, what would you call them, compadres at the time have gone downhill fast. And this uh, is, the, yeah. Look, this, I'm looking at you, Johnny Depp. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? And it's, it's sad when you say, oh, this person's good because they're not these other people. But mm. if you just look at his contemporaries, um, Johnny Depp, bad vibes. Val Kilmer went off boil, as Jacqueline says. Tom Still Cruise nothing. is sex- sexless and strange. Oh, I know, so true. And, she, and, true. And, and Jacqueline says that this is the reason that women love Keanu, because he's mm. the antithesis of toxic masculinity and was so even before anybody was talking about toxic masculinity. He was always the sensitive and kind and quiet and dreamy character in the films. He likes <laughs> climbing trees and smoking marijuana. He looks like a man who listens to women when they speak, which makes him <laughs> rarer than rubies and infinitely more precious. It's I've got to say though, it's a pretty low bar, isn't it, that we set for celebrities? Well, that's, if yeah. that's the case because, like, you think about it. <laughs> that's a subtext here. Like he, he, she's written an example where he rides the subway and gives up his seat. Most normal people should do that. Yeah, <laughs> he puts his arm around photo people, but he doesn't touch them. That's Have a hand. Absolutely appropriate. His girlfriend is not famous and has grey hair. Every person I know, you know, like. <laughs> You're not it's, a hero. It's a low bar <laughs> if that's what we're going. <laughs> we applaud that. And really, you know, to be honest, celebrities, it is a pretty low bar because, yeah, she's she's absolutely right. <laughs> They're a pretty weird mob. The beauty of Keanu actually says more about us than it does about him, I think. Yes, I think so. I think so. But Thank yes, you for that beautiful piece, Jacqueline. Thank you. <laughs> so good. Hey, before we get into fashion, oh yes, um, can I just give a little chuggy update? Oh, of course. Um, which makes us full chug because we did start speaking about this three weeks ago, and yeah, we and still it's are. Over. It's well over, which makes it chuggy. <laughs> Mega chug. Thank you to Ash, who's Bang Fam, for sending us this very important news. There's now a chuggy mug, and who else but Reductress uh, have made the merch? It's called Stay Chuggy. Attention, chugs and geriatric <laughs> millennials. Add a splash of colour to your morning coffee or tea ritual. These ceramic mugs not only have a beautiful design on them, but also a colourful rim, handle and inside. So the mug is bound to spice up your mug rack. And it is a pretty chuggy mug. That's great. So Stay chuggy. Spice up your mug rack. <laughs> I'm putting that on a T-shirt. <laughs> Along with socks on, bras off, bang on. <laughs> That's true. Forgot that one. Full chug. Speaking of actual fashion. Mm. Oh, yes. Autumn is making way for winter. That means Mm -hmm. it's puffer season. Uh, Amazing history of the puffer that you shared with me this week. This is also great. It's very Um, detailed. Very detailed. (laughs) Melissa Singer is the journal. She looks after the world of fashion and clearly we know each other on a first name basis. No, we don't at all. Um, But I admire her work from afar. Puffer jackets are are coming back into fashion. I mean, look, they've always been there, let's be honest. But they've always been derided as unfashionable, probably because they are A, comfortable and B, warm. And fashion 
production thus far has not been about that. Now, I'm not really a fan of the puffer, but I would not... Uh, I would not say you can't wear the puffer. I think it's a it's a smart choice if you like that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's really having a moment, especially recently North Face did a collaboration with Gucci. That's right. So uh, many people contacted us about this. Yeah. I don't know I why we weren't people... invited to the launch, quite frankly. Oh, well, I, well, it wasn't in Australia, but a lot of people thought it was because Dan Andrews was wearing a North Face jacket during our COVID lockdown experience. <laughs> but in actual fact, North Face was collaborating with Gucci on a world global scale right. at the time. So that's probably why we didn't get invited. Otherwise, we'd be first on the list. Absolutely. For sure. <laughs> For sure. Um, but this this article actually goes into the history of the puffer jacket and I had absolutely no idea that the first puffer jacket or at least first documented puffer jacket happened on the top of a huge mountain, Mount Everest, where one of the climbers actually wore one made out of uh, a sail, like a, a boat sail, and it had down in it and everyone laughed at him on the mountain. Uh, Sir Edmund Hillary, I suspect, would be one of the others if it was around that time, laughing because they were all wearing their tweed jackets <laughs> on Mount Everest. And, and then he, and I think the comment was, who's laughing now? Yeah. Once. <laughs> Once they got the they got the vibe that this jacket was far superior to anything they could do in their tweeds. Hell so, yeah, so lightweight. Um, yeah, so lightweight. I can't imagine they down's pretty heavy. Back in those days, it probably would have been and sails. I don't know what that <laughs> material is. They're heavy. Just the so, visual of someone wearing a boat sail, hand stuffed with down. Down. It's it just w- what a vibe. It wouldn't be. I don't think it'd be very light, but it would be great as a pillow when you need to have a kip in the night. So I think on that level it works. But, yeah, there's a real history of it. Uh, And the fact that it's utilitarian uh, and that it is in a way very much indicative of our time at the moment. Think about the rise of the croc and the clog and these items of clothing that are – they're not talking about your body underneath Mm. and that's – that's somewhere we're headed in society, I think, the fact that, you know, as women we now know that it's my body and it's not a subject of your discussion. Mm. So in a way I think these jackets and the fact that they're being embraced by everybody is kind of saying, um, you know, it's it's not about what's what's under here. You, you, you hide, you're hiding the body essentially yeah. and you're looking like everybody else who's wearing one of those. So maybe it does say something about this time, fashion, <laughs> talking about where we are. The puffer is the most egalitarian of all the fashion items. Yes, it is. It is. I um, still can't wear one though. I, I every time either. I go into Uniqlo and I'm like, maybe this year's the year of the puffer and I put it on and I look like the Michelin man. Oh, I, mate, I, I, I do, do not too. agree that you, like not all people look the same in a puffer. Not all puffers and people under puffers are created equal <laughs> is what I'm saying. <laughs> I agree. I can't. I look absolutely ridiculous. I look like a freaking toadstool. <laughs> I really do. It's not okay. And look, the one pu- the one style of puffer I do have issue with though <laughs> Is the sleeveless puffer? Why do you need to be so warm on the torso and yet you're? Because that's why you've you got to protect a your organs, Miff. This makes sense to me. Protect your. What about your arms? Arms are fine. Organs, are other other thing entirely. <laughs> Just fine. I'm here for the sleeveless puffer. I'm into the sleeveless puffer. Oh, as we hurtle towards middle age, like, <laughs> like those atoms hurtling towards Earth at some point. It's amazing. We'll put that in the show notes if you've ever been curious about the. Um, well, quite fast rise of the puffer, even though it was 
at the top of Everest with Edmund Hillary. In That's the 20s unsubstantiated. Or 30s, whenever that was. Uh, the, it's it's really taken hold very quickly in terms of, of fashion as a go-to staple for winter, mm. but really for year-round um, in some shops. We'll put that in the show notes for sure. Hey, before we get into our bang on, can I read you a couple of really cute reviews that I've been meaning of to? You can. Thank you to everyone who's sending gorgeous emails. Oh and gosh, we get such beautiful emails, and because you're sending them on to me all the time, I'm reading them now. Yeah, they're so nice. Thank you. We read them all. Um, we've gotten back to most of you. Thank you so much. And also well, you've for gotten back to most of them, Zan, let's be honest. I, I mean, always sign it Zan and Miff though. You're so you're so good like that. And I have to say I'm I'm shit when it comes to doing <laughs> I stuff. I know that like you're that. there in spirit. You read them all. I'm though. reading them and I'm like, oh that's beautiful. A lot of people also sending little reviews on the Apple Podcast app or whatever podcast app you use. That is so awesome. We read all those too and that really does help other people find us. So if you've got a moment to even just tap a little five star for us. That would be oh, ace. Are you asking for five stars? I'm not sure we can do that, can we? I just did. Okay. I'd take four, but like five's, <laughs> four's pretty good. But five, go for it if you want, please. Elliot J. O'Neill gave us five stars and said, an amazing thing happened. My partner and I discovered we were both listening to Bang On before we started dating. Then we both said, fashion, and shared Ooh. a beautiful chuckle. That was the moment they both realized they were oh Bang Fan. I love that. Bang on dating coming soon. Do Thank you for come, being can a we friend. Get to the, come to the wedding. <laughs> yeah, hell's yes. <laughs> it is celebrants. Thank yes. you for being a friend, says Steph O'Bro. I found Bang on during lockdown in Victoria last year. It was an isolating time, especially given I just recently moved into state. Miff and Zan feel like my friends at a Friday wine or a Sunday brunch. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you so much, Steph O'Bro. Thank you to everyone who yeah, sends us messages and leaves us reviews. We love them so much. Mm, you do. What are you banging on about this week? Have you had time uh, to watch anything in this oh, wild yeah, week? Of course, of course. <laughs> what do you, you know, I, I need my wind down time, don't I? Wind down time. Wind down time. Um, oh, a new television series that you can find on Netflix right now. And look, it's got mixed reviews out in public, but I say yay all the way for this one because I got to live in 1960s, 1970s, 1980s fashion because it's about the American designer Halston. Oh, yeah. Ewan McGregor is Halston. Ewan McGregor is as Halston and I wasn't necessarily familiar with the designer as such. I I knew uh, of the popularity of Halston, particularly around that Studio 54, 70s stuff. It did a lot of really sleek outfits, really streamlined, really brought that sense of couture to American design Mm. and was recognised as such. Um, And so this television series is about that rise. And, yeah, I just love anything set in the past and especially with lockdown and not being able to travel. Um, There's scenes in Versailles, the Palace of Versailles, where there's this great farce and parade with, you know, Oscar de la Renta and and, uh, all the the French guys as well, Balenciaga, and it's just heaven. Like, And I actually think it's really good. I actually think it's really good. I think the review, I'm not sure what they were watching. Um, Admittedly, it takes a while to kind of get behind the character of Halston, the person of Halston, because... I don't think he revealed a lot about himself because of growing up in regional America, being a gay man, being a fashion, being a designer, being interested in creative things. So I imagine a lot of his life would have been about hiding that until he could get to New York City and reinvent himself. Mm. So, like, that's a criticism. Yes, it doesn't allow you an insight into who the man was at the time, but I don't think anyone probably knew because there was a lot of self-protection going on there. Mm. Um 
And so I loved it. It's just you're just delving in and living in another world and another universe. And it's, yeah, it's fabulous. So, I, yeah, I, I say I, watch. Well, can I tell you that I started watching it last night and I had to stop it because I thought the script was terrible. Yeah, it's not great, but just getting but, like, to the that's visuals. I just couldn't go on. It was just, yeah. you know, and you can, I'm like, I am I can see it on the page. It's just, mm. it was so clunkily written and yeah. I love Ewan McGregor. Yeah, it gets better. Okay, gets that's better, what I wanted I to know. You. Does it get better? Because yes. I, I'm all for, I love any sort of fashion biopic. Yes. But, oh, and, and I love, I love traveling, particularly now from my, from mm. my chair. This, uh, yeah, this but, is everything yeah, for me. I just couldn't that. go on last night. No, oh, really? I'm trying to think. I can't even remember the first episode now. Maybe it was a bit clunky. Mm, it it felt does clunky. get better. Okay, it good. does get better. And I do feel like you start to care more as it goes along. But also, if you have no idea about Halston, he invented Jackie O's pillbox. Yes, which is hat. in the opening scene. I had no idea about that. I was like, oh, okay, yeah. here's the grounding. And That's what also I needed. Um, that wearable suede fabric that everybody was wearing in the 70s. Ah. Tie dye things. Like, yeah, it's. it's yeah, there's a lot in there. It was and a time. It's glorious. All right, I'll go back in. Yeah, do it. You know, I follow all your recommendations. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Eventually. Um, what are you banging on about? I saw this title and I didn't know what it was. Well, it's because it's just finished up at the Spanish Film Festival, but this movie is getting a local release on July the 22nd by Unreal. popular demand. What is it? It's called Rose's Wedding um, and it is set in Valencia in Spain. It's about a 45-year-old seamstress by the name of Rosa who is basically the kind of person that always puts others first. Um, She works at a wardrobe department in a film production company. She's always doing things um, that other people are taking credit for. Her family members are really demanding, like her brother's constantly asking her to take care of the kids Mm. um, because he's recently separated from his wife and and, uh, Rosa's just had to step in. Um, Her father is um, grieving the loss of their mother, his wife, and she, he's she kind of leaning on her a lot um, and pretty much everyone else around her is just constantly asking her for favours and she always sort of just goes along with it but um, never does anything for herself. So she goes back to – she kind of gets – reaches breaking, breaking point, goes back to her childhood home in the beautiful coastal town of Beni Kasim, which I've never heard of before and I absolutely want to go to now it's after watching list. this film. It's so beautiful. And basically announces that she is um, engaged and she is yeah. getting married to herself. Oh, good for her. And it is so good. Like it's one of those like charming rom-coms, but a rom-com about loving yourself. I love the idea of this. I'm going to go and watch it. it is, you will love this. It's, it's all about self-empowerment. And it, the whole time I was watching it, I just had that RuPaul line, if you don't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love somebody else? Like Absolutely. going around in my head. And it just really struck home. And, of course, it's like set in these beautiful locations. There's something about the light in Spain, which is just oh, like you heaven. feel like you're on summer holidays the whole time. Oh. And also just being able to, you know, armchair travel. That's one of the beautiful things about seeing um, – Particularly, you know, Spanish Film Festival, there's been some amazing films set in places that, you know, we can't get to right now. Yep. But, yeah, it's wonderful. You will love this myth. Great. July well, the 22nd, th- it I'm opens. thinking about marrying myself, Sam. Yeah. <laughs> I was really drawn to the idea. I was like, I like yeah. the idea. And I mean, also just that I've thing. I've been of, here for me through my whole life, so why not make it official? Totally. And I think, like, the when you think about the vows of, like, you promise to love and respect and to care for and all that sort of stuff, it's like, why does that always apply to you taking care of someone else? Somebody like, else. I, I think that we just always are thinking outward and we're respecting relationships as they, um, as they make sense to other people or to ourselves, other people people making sense to ourselves. Why can't we make, I think I'm kind of talking in circles here, but 
why don't we respect the love of ourselves more? Like I just, I think that sometimes that's Well, viewed. why don't we have the love of ourselves more I think is the big problem. It's just not like, yeah, it's not. We're not good at that. It's and not we're celebrated. Only about it. it's yeah, not, we're only learning about it. It's, it's sometimes seen as selfish when you're thinking about um, yourself, which is why I love that RuPaul line that she finishes mm. every show with. It's like, you've got to love yourself before you can take care of others. Like yeah. you can't actually, even if you think that's for some stupid reason, that's selfish, like if you want to take care of others, you've got to start inside internally with yourself and, first. So, And I do think women have been told for a long time, you know, it, it, in terms of how the whole way we lived was set up is that women were there to care for others. And, yeah. and, and like you said, you don't do a great job if you're not looking after yourself yeah. as well. So go and see it and then we can, um, you know... Have weddings with ourselves. Oh, I'm happy to. to. Spring happy. wedding. Yeah, that's great. Something to look forward to. Awesome. <laughs> Put, pop that in your diary. Imagine the fashion. Can you be my best lady? Oh, absolutely. I'm there. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Good luck hey. this week. Yeah, thank you. It's going to be amazing. Have a blast. I can't wait to see your outfits. I know. They'll be superb. And hear your witty barbs as well. I hope they're witty at oh, five you know in the morning. Will be. You know. <laughs> It'll be fine. It'll be it'll be great. Right, we'll catch up on all the goss on the other side. Yeah. See you, right. babes. Bye. Bye. On. Bang fam, we want to let you in on a little secret, a podcast we have loved for a long time from the be- very beginning. In fact, we've been a huge supporter of this podcast. It's got brand new episodes for you right now. Yes, it's called Ladies We Need to Talk and it is hosted by the wonderful Yumi Steins. Hello, Yumi. Hi, bang ladies. Hey, Zan. Hey, Miv. Um, Yumi, what are some of the taboo smashing topics that you're looking at in Ladies We Need to Talk this season? Thank you for asking, Miff. No problem. Very well done. Just like I bought one. Yeah. We're doing stuff like fetishes, which is like so fun and so kind of naughty, but also really like I felt maximum respect for the people who could get on the record and talk about yeah. their fetishes. I have a sort of a un- unresolved kind of dream about using stumpy arm as kind of a dildo on a guy. We're talking about the rage in your pelvis. So a lot of my friends feel pain and agony in that region and it could be a bunch of different things. So we're sort of going through what it could be for some of us. We're also finding out what the hell is going to happen to us ladies as we age. Mm. And listen, it's not all sagging and facing down imminent death, but the phrase papery vagina will be used... (laughs) More than once. Wow. I watch all the sexy movies on Netflix. <laughs> Good on you. I love you. And I'll, I'll be 90 this year. Will you? How do you find them on Netflix? I must run that oh. Oh. I have to listen to that. I might be experiencing it right now, whatever it is. Is there grey hair where there previously was no grey hair? That's a question I have for that episode. (laughs) You can find Ladies We Need to Talk in your ABC Listen app or, of course, wherever you find your podcasts. Thanks, Yumi. Thank you. Fucking hell, what is papery vagina? Everybody says that. Somebody else, this is way back in season one, said that her mum described it as, you know, when you leave ham in the fridge but you didn't put the glad wrap on and it goes grey. Oh, no. She said that a bit hard on the... Oh. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Dried out. Dried wow. out. Grade ham. I hope this is going to air somewhere. <laughs> grade. Grade ham.